Welcome to the City Church Online. This is where you get all the sermons that you might have missed or you might just want to listen to all over again. Please like, subscribe, remember to share and download this message. Come, let us grow together in Christ. We all know that as long as a person is not under the control of God or is not being used by God, we know that he's not using themselves there is something else that is actually using them. And that is, unfortunately, the devil. They might beautify their statements in every way that they want to beautify them. You know, there are good platitudes in this world. Some of them are picked from the Bible, improved a little bit to fit uh, certain standards and to be appreciated in a certain way and then passed on to us and then we take them on. So through altars, the devil and God establish things in this world. And guess what? The other thing that Pastor Alex taught us is the fact that the altars in the new covenant are not places. Those days, there were places where God used to write his name, where he used to preserve for himself. And upon those places, he would come and work in the lives of people. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 24, he told Moses to set up an altar of earth. And he told him that upon that place, I will come. I will choose and come and write my name there. The moment he writes, when he says that he is writing his name there, he's actually saying that I will come there. I will come there and I will bless you in that place. So before even he, he even came to Moses, he first came to a guy called Jacob. And uh, as he was fleeing from his brother, you know that story. He had stolen a birthright. His mother had persuaded him how, somehow to steal his brother's uh, birthright, just as his name goes. He was called a supplanter them days. So, he, after stealing it, uh, they tell him that his, uh, his brother is, going to, is coming after him. He's waiting for his father to die so that he can come and kill him. So, his mother advises him that before your father dies, take off and go to my family. So, he runs over and as he's going, uh, he slips and then he sees a staircase of angels descending from heaven and going up. He sees actually the very throne room of God and he realizes that the God of his father is actually in that place. So he makes a deal, some deal with God and is like, if you bless me where I'm going, I will come back and worship you in this place. And God also commits to it, blesses him that side, but it was always a struggle. There was something that was missing, probably because the altar was not active. He went there and he just started continued, continuing to run his life. And so he ran his life. God was with him at all times. They cheated him and cheated him and cheated him and cheated him. But there was something special about him until a day came when he escaped and went back. And time came for him to meet that guy who wanted to kill him. And that is the time he remembers and he goes back to the altar. He separates, he puts aside everything and he goes back to that very place. The place that he had named Bethel. And he waits on God and somehow God passes by and he catches him and is like, you, I am not going to go away from you. I'm not going to leave you and let you go until when you bless me. And guess what? Just as it is supposed to be, through altars, he comes and intervenes on this world. He came and intervened in the man's life and he was blessed from that day. He went back to the same levels at which his fathers operated he went back to the levels of Abraham. He went back to the levels of Isaac and he operated at that very place. So those days, it was a place. Even when uh, the altar became the temple, uh, the Bible says that he, when Solomon was dedicating it, God came and said that when I place my name here, when I place my name here, I will bless you through this very thing. But you remember that in Leviticus, he had told them that the fire on that altar should not go out. It should be lit at all times. And that was the same thing that was done in the temple. So continuously his name was there. And through that place he continuously blessed his people. So it was a place those days. But right now we become the temple of God. Through Jesus Christ now his spirit fully dwells in us. So we become the altars. So it is through us now directly. It is through us that God manifests the things that he has said 
in the spiritual world. It is through us. We are the channels. The Bible says that all creation is groaning for and anticipating, waiting upon the manifestation of the true sons of God. All creation is waiting for you to manifest. All creation is actually waiting for your altar to be activated in this world. So, child of God, my question is, what are you waiting for? Eh? What are you waiting for? Over you're waiting for the overnight. You know, Pastor Alex is teaching us a number of things. He has taught us how to establish our altars. And he has given us things that help us establish godly altars. And uh, amongst those things, he has so far taught us two things, which I'm going to dwell on a lot as I'm speaking to us today. And the first one is for us to hold on to the word of God, to be steadfast in it, to hold on to the promise of God. There are a number of things that God has said that he will do. In fact, he has already done them. He has already established them. There are a number of things. And it is upon us on our altars to hold fast on them so that they can manifest in our lives. One of the most important things that pastor taught us is for us to hold on to the word of God. And then the second one is for us to have a contrite and broken spirit. It's for our hearts to be broken to him. For him, and that means for him to come and be the king over our lives, to establish his throne over our lives. Is God on the throne of your heart or there is someone else there? Usually it is us. Eh? You find guy you're seated there crossing your legs comfortable in your seat and you're like, God, I, yes. quoting his scriptures, by the way. Nayenga, the person who is there. I remember those days when I would worship and I'm very tired. At the time I was praying and I was very, very tired. So my words went your way. Instead of saying, God, you are worthy to be praised, I just said, oh, I am worthy to be praised. It just landed through. Hey. Uh, of course I was tired. But there are some times where we are the ones seated on that throne. You're seated there comfortably. And, and the thing about God is that he's not like men. For us, we can declare all we want to say. But for him, he sees that heart of yours and he sees the throne that is in there. And he sees who is seated on your heart. And he can clearly see if it is you or him. So it is up to us to go to him and ask for his mercy and ask for his grace. That he may deal with. Because there are some things that are so difficult to deal with. In fact, if we were able to deal with certain things, we would have overcome them already. We would have removed ourselves and put him there. But there are some things that he is the one that is supposed to do. So today we are going to be reading from 2 Peter chapter 1. A scripture we've been reading a lot. 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 2 to 4. 2 Peter chapter 1 from, hey, it's, chapter two, it's chapter 1 from verses 2 to 4. Feels like as if the, uh, the PowerPoint people have not yet reached there. Yeah, let me reach there right now. They are on their way. Ah, finally they have arrived. For grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verses 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's go back to verses 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As Peter is saying these words, the key word inside there he's saying that through the knowledge of God, grace and peace are able to be multiplied to us. Grace, the grace that we always seek for, the grace that has been availed to us by God is multiplied to us each and every time we get to know our God and his son Jesus Christ. You realize that the knowledge that he's talking about here is not just information. The knowledge that he's talking about here is in the Greek word epignosis. 
it is uh, it is given to us by revelation god supplies it to us about himself there is a way in which god wants us to know him and when we get to know him by that grace and peace is supplied to us grace being an empowerment that we are able to accomplish things that we were not able that we would not be able to accomplish using our own strength and peace peace coming to us that we are totally at rest in our lives this knowledge is not information it is experiential this knowledge causes results if it would be information you would be like a computer you know you feed the computer with information and it produces certain results it starts performing in a certain way but for you you're not a computer you don't operate that way there's something that you receive and it charges your life it takes you into a place of meditation it makes you contemplate and you start thinking about god in a different way and you start doing the impossible and you find yourself so much at rest even when everyone else is struggling with a lot of stuff the guys are like eh eh there is a big storm around you but you're just walking through it and you're like ah for me i am okay you're smiling through the whole of it because there is something that you have understood about god there is something that he has enlightened in your life that you see him and you're like ah this god is mine this god for sure has done all these things i am sure i will make it when the troubles come you walk through them when impossible situation come situations come you just solve them because he has availed grace into your life and so he continues to say in verses 3 that as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and vach the word knowledge the knowledge comes back again and again it is not information it is still that revelation of christ and the scripture starts with the word as which means it is a continuation from the past from the from the previous from the previous verse so grace and peace have come to us through this same knowledge and now through this same knowledge his power the power of god He says his divine power divine talking about just God himself God's power a deity's power coming to us and giving us everything that we need in this life everything for us not to just survive but everything to thrive in this life everything that pertains to life and to godliness meaning that everything that we need in this life have been is supplied to us the more we get to understand this god everything that we need to run this life he just says all he doesn't put there the word some he just clearly says it all things that pertain to life and godliness godliness being our devotion to god it's from our devotion to god that we start expressing this god out there remember however much the world feels like as if it doesn't need this god it actually needs him so you will find some people looking for him in a bottle they will drink and drink and drink and drink and somehow they will not find him they will just end up drunk then then, then they move struggling and they are like and then after some time hangover Uh, people who have taken alcohol very well always tell me that hangover has a headache in it so you wake up with this whining head wee and then you move into the next thing it hasn't satisfied you but for us he has given us himself to us so we have everything that we need to live in this life and we have everything that we need to live a godly life i call it devotion i call it devotion to god because sometimes we easily compromise and say ah wano nae mukamo chiraba bulabi the only way i can survive is by taking the cabribe and we go if i don't take that kamane my family is going to die so god just relax and uh, hey chijavero okay i know many times we have those conversations going on in us but the scripture has told us that they are not supposed to be there you realize that the reason why they take place is because it is a knowledge issue there is something that we have not yet understood and so because of that we we compromise him a little bit here and there uh, to survive and yet he has said for the life 
he has availed everything. To live that godly life again, he has availed everything. So all we have to do is to go to him. Paul writes to the Ephesians that I have known of your salvation. I have heard of your salvation. You're so saved. And I have even heard of your love for the saints. But there is one thing I pray for you day and night. I constantly mention of you day and night that, the, that our God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that is Jesus Christ again, that your eyes of understanding may be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling and to even know the kind of inheritance that you have availed to you. So you have to know the hope of his calling, the reason why he came, the reason why he had to die on that cross. And from that, you will also know the kind of inheritance that we have. Do you know that we are co-heirs with Christ? If we are co-heirs with Christ, there is that part after we have died. Many of us, I don't know why our eyes like to focus to the, on the part where we have finished dying. Jesus gave us an example of how when he lived here on earth, there was something about him. He, he somehow had everything that he needed in this earth. When he needed to feed 5,000 people, somehow he just lifted up some baskets with a few loaves of bread and they multiplied. And he has said that as he is, so are we. So he took, he became what we were. He became what we were so that we gave him what we were, in other words. And then in the process, when all that was poured out, you know many of us like retaining what we were. We gave it to him. We poured it out. In salvation, that is what happens. You pour out everything of yours. I don't know why we like holding back to it. You pour out everything of yours and he pours his into you. That is what happens. So in that you receive the same inheritance that he received. You receive and operate within the same power that he operated in while he was on this earth. Realize that the same way he was operating on this earth is the same way we are supposed to operate on this, on this earth. Then the same way he is in heaven, that is the same way we shall be when we have been propelled there. So we have to lift ourselves to that position where we operate the same way he operated while he was on this earth. And the whole thing lies back again. It drives back to the same knowledge issue. That's why it is very important for us to constantly pray for the revelation of Jesus Christ to come to us that we may see him as he is. The truth is that there are people who have reached there. There are people who are experiencing it in their lives. There are people whose salvation is so effectual, whose everything that they declare about themselves, that they sing about. You know, there are lines in, in the songs that we sing. You sing a line and you're like, eh, you mean I am this? But man, when you move out, all of a sudden you start moving like a grasshopper. You become scared and you're like, nakolantia. Eh, the Narcolantia should stop. We need to move to the position where we are supposed to be. The good thing we are in these 40 days, they have reduced now, they are 30. Eh? They are remaining 30. Only 30. You can use these remaining days to do something about your life. A change can occur. And it has been displayed in the scriptures. In the knowledge of him, some things increase to you. In the knowledge of him, his divine power causes all things that pertain to life and godliness to come to you. Remember, all these have been established in a certain realm. The spiritual realm, they are there. They are already done. They are fully finished. Furnished each and, and, and by the way, when Jesus was dying on that cross, he was dying for everybody. Meaning that for the 8 billion people in this world, plus the number that died, let me say that. All of those guys, their grace and peace is there. The multiplication of it was there and is there. It is already set and established in the spiritual realm. Even all things that pertain to life and godliness, since he died for all of them, it is also there, set and established, waiting for them. 
Now the creation for it is it, it is to a disadvantage. It is us who are supposed to do something about it. So it is waiting for us to go and pick up what we have. Mind you, creation includes angels also. The ones who are supposed to supply these things. They are also seated and waiting. Eh, and he brings and, and I deliver. The other angels are good at their work. They just deliver. I have a feeling when they reduce, I don't know that they reproduce, but I have a feeling when they when <laughs> when they reduce in number, you're taking very many of them. I have a feeling God can just place the manufacturing button and then they get you more angels and they start supplying the things. That's why you'll notice that there are some people who in their domain, they have caused the difference. They move in their cities and they are there is a difference. There is a man who lived a long time ago, I think in the 1800s. He was called George Finney. That guy would enter a town and then thieves would stop stealing. Somehow, whenever his crusade would happen in a certain area, he had his birthday. He had an intercessor who would come and pray. The guy would just come and pray, pray for like some weeks. And then the man of God also shows up after some time. And the moment he, he starts preaching, Ah, things just change. Policemen lose work. They stop doing their work because, man, the people who are behaving badly just stop doing everything because as in his presence used to bring the fear of God into people's lives. It would just bring it. Your presence can. That was an anointing at a certain place, at a, at a certain point. Eh? You can go and call on that and it also comes on your life and you start operating that way. It operated at a certain point. Eh? They, they talk of that time where Paul entered into a certain city and they started preaching. They came in. You can enter Luzira here. And you preach in a certain place. Probably a street preacher. Let me call him a street preacher. Making noise. Everyone is shutting him up. Then like a small crowd came. Then the next day, the crowd became bigger. By the time they were done, the whole city had stopped what it was doing. It would come and listen to Paul in the evening. That is what happened to these men when they decided to become something. It's a decision that you make. Because the words Paul was a persecutor, he talks of himself. He says, me, I was bad. You think you're bad news. Me, I was bad. I killed those guys. And they knew me. They feared me. You know, he was a nobody at some point. He was just a student of some guy. You know those guys eh, who carry, I remember uh, at the university, there are some, uh, they were teaching assistants. So they would come and teach for the first three weeks or four weeks. And then out of one day, the professor just shows up and he starts speaking the things, the ones you are not understanding. So Paul was like that guy. He was that simple. But when he started persecuting, when he took up the work of persecution, he did it so well that the high priest called him and is like, you are the one we've been waiting for. Have the letters. Go and deal with those guys. And then God just turned him around. As in, everyone, probably even the born agains were like, God, if you would just eliminate this guy, we would continue with your gospel. But God just turns him around into his instrument. Even you, you meant to be his instrument. We are supposed to. We are supposed to. And he talks of himself and he says that, yes, even if I came in late after all of them, I did more than my contemporaries. He wrote it because it was true. He did more than all those guys. He knew where he had come from. He knew all the bad things that he had done. I know for you, you might be like, hey, but for me, I've not done all those bad things. Maybe that's where the force is. If you would know what you are, <laughs> and if you would know where you are got from, you would do the necessary things to see to it that you become what you're supposed to become. And so he continues in this very verse and he says that he winds up that verse saying through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verses 3, just go back to verse 3 a bit. Through, and he called us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. You realize that when God was calling us to himself, when he was, in fact, this now, because the calling, him calling us covers everything that he ended up doing for us. So when he was calling us, he called us by his glory and by his virtue. So when we talk of the glory of God and the virtue of God, we are actually talking about the attributes of God. We are actually talking about those things that make him God. 
The things that make him God are the ones that pushed him to come to us. You see, the rest have three or one or zero. That's where all the other players are. He's lifted up above every other footballer in this generation because he has played better than them. He has yes, more the prestigious. The reason yes, why they called Pele the greatest simply because he won three World Cups. That is his glory. Even when it comes to God, it is the same thing. The things that he does are his glory. The things that he has are his glory. But more so, you realize that his glory, uh, there are things, there is end. We lost our righteousness. We lost our holiness, in other words. So, uh, if it was to us to meet him at his holiness, we were down this side and he was the other side. Remember, we have filthy lags and for him, he's clean up there. So in trying to relate to him, it would be impossible to connect by his holiness. And he knew that. So the Bible tells us that before even the foundations of the world were laid, he decided and said, he predestined it for us that we shall be holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. So for us to be holy and blameless, we had to be fixed in him. And that is in Jesus Christ. So he sends his son, he dies for us on the cross. After his son dies for us on the cross, we become forever united with him. We become holy by virtue of what he, of the holiness that is in him. Holiness and righteousness is imputed upon us. Now, the thing about holiness is that it defines the perfection of God. You see, if this is his nature, if it is part of his being, then it defines the way he uses his power. It defines the way he does his things. If he's going to create, he's going to create through his holiness. He's going to create everything perfect. He's not going to do anything that has a problem. Meaning that if he is going to deliver you, if he's going to do any, deliver you, let me say he's delivering us from our sin. It is also going to, going to be through the same standards. He's going to lift you from your filth and put you at the same level where he is. The same level of holiness. So that's why he says in that particular scripture, uh, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he called us and fixed us into a place where we can also be very holy. A similar position like where he is. He called us and fixed us there through love. You realize that holiness, his holiness couldn't do anything for us. We had obliterated everything. We could never connect with him there. So he decided to come through love. So he loved us and pulled us into his holiness. So you realize that uh, if we are to complete the whole of that scripture, he says that as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Meaning that all these things that we receive from him also go through exactly the same filter. When he's giving us anything, he's giving us something perfect. He's giving us something that works. When he's giving us anything, he's giving us something perfect and he's giving us with the same heart of love. And you know the way love is, it doesn't hold back anything. He's releasing it fully to us. As in, in God, there is no shadow. There is no darkness in him. When he gives, he gives you perfectly. He gives you to the standard at which it is supposed to be. When he gives you grace and peace, it is the fullness of grace. It is the fullness of peace. That's why they say that when we go in prayer while we are worried, there is a certain peace that comes upon us. And this peace is beyond human understanding. He releases it to us. That's why it is not for us to worry. So, pastor told us that when we are setting up these altars, what do we do? We go and claim our promises. We stand on our promises. And in the next verse, let's go to verses 4. Uh, he says that, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. You realize that the by which comes from by his glory and virtue. Then by which 
he has given us. Meaning that if he's giving us these promises through the same filters, let me call them filters, then that means what we receive in the promises of God, we also receive what is so perfect. We receive what works. We receive it at the same level at which he gave it to us when he was dying for us on the cross. You realize that when he died on the cross, he actually gave everything. When he, when, 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 when he comes also on this side, when he's giving us everything, it is with the same force, the same measure, a similar measure, that he's giving us everything that we need in this life. So the promises that come from him, the promises that come from him are so perfect. They are so perfect. And that's why the scripture says to us in the book of Hebrews that it is impossible to please God without faith. He who comes to him must come, must, must first of all come believing that he is God. And then also believe that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You must believe that he is God. That's where the doubts now usually come in from. You are praying, but you are surrounded by doubt. And that's where that second point also comes from, that our hearts must be broken and contrite. We must be fully given in to him. You see, you can't come to him as God when you do not trust him, when you feel like as if he will fail you. But he has just told you that the promises that he has given us, everything that he gives us, he gives them to us according to his nature. He gives them to us according to what he has. He gives them to us. They are all defined by his love. They are all defined by his perfection. So when he's giving healing, he's giving the perfect healing. When he's giving anything to you, he's actually giving the best of the best to our lives. So our responsibility is to receive these things at the same level at which he's giving. Remember the giver is giving with all perfection. He's giving with every kind of love out of him. As in there, are no, there, is, there is nothing in there that is giving you these things at an angle. You know those guys who give you nenga, mulimu angle. They are giving you but they are expecting something. God doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't. Eh? He doesn't need anything from us. He created us because he loves us, not because he needed some love from us. The love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is so perfect that they don't need anything else. It is an act of mercy and grace that you and I are drawn into that love through him. It is just an act of mercy. And so if he has decided to love us that openly, it is upon us to work on ourselves to see to it that we also receive these things at the same level. I would like to compare it to our salvation. There is a way we have received our salvation that the enemy cannot scare us. As in we confidently tell him that, man, even if you do what or what, I am going to heaven. At I'm going perpendicularly. Even if you do what, I will get there. Hey, at 90 degrees, we'll just be there. The same way we are sure about that, it is the same way we are supposed to be sure of the promises of God. The Bible says that he doesn't give with conditions. Uh, uh, we are of the new covenant. Those days the promises came, but my friend, you had to do some things. But right now he says that he has accomplished the covenant on his own. And now he has called us his own people. People is far off. He has, he, has he has adopted us into his very own family. If it is family, then that means he cares so much about us that we have an inheritance inside there. So we have a responsibility of doing everything possible that persuades us about the love that he has showered on us. You see, each and every time we put ourselves and putting yourself on the throne of your heart, is it usually comes through the fear. It usually comes through those fears that come to us. As in, yes, an impossible situation has come before you, 
and you really look at it and know that chinotechisoboka and then you get scared and you're like you start grading for God what he can do and what he cannot do and yet for him he has said ah i have given you everything as where he has started from and he has also said that he has given you uh, he as in uh, through through he, he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these things we may be partakers of the divine nature that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature that we may become like god on this earth that's the best way i can bring it out the Bible says that as he is, so are we. So those promises are the ones that we hold on to and then we start manifesting God in our lives and in our environment. It is them that have been supplied. You know the Bible, when you run through it all, every book from Genesis to Revelations, one thing you're going to find is that it's full of promises. Even Jeremiah, who was telling his guys, you're going to exile and what? You read through, you're going to find there are a lot of promises of God. The whole Bible, it's just a list of all of them. As in each and every one of us and the things that we are going through, we are fully covered by the promises of God. But the problem is that we want to be in charge of our lives. We have to move away from that place and move to a higher position. We have to fight. We have to contend for what we have become. We have to contend for what we have been freely given. But the most important one is that we have to contend for what we have become. We have to fight for it. We have to do everything possible and convince ourselves that that is what we are. And the convincing is actually done by God himself. Because when you go to him, he explains to you what you have become. He explains to you what he has already made you so that you are able to walk into it. So as, you, as in he will help you, you have to go to him and cry out to him and cry out that he may release his mercy and grace to you so that uh, you lift yourself off that cassette, off that throne that is in your heart. In the fears that you're expressing and you're like, oh my God, how will I manage tomorrow? You're putting yourself on the throne. You're actually putting yourself there. You're seated on it in expressing that fear. You see, you could not manage your own salvation, so you surrendered your life to him. Before uh, we tried to save ourselves, we were seated on the throne. You see, the one who is on the throne is the one who does the things. When a king is in the place, he declares and everyone starts running around doing everything. Remember, the ministers to God are what? The angels. Those are the guys that he sends to start accomplishing these things. It is not even you. You're not included among the guys who are supposed to do that work on yourself. It is all about the king that is on that throne. So your responsibility is to make sure that you go off that throne. I know you know your fears. You know what you're afraid of. And in being afraid, you're putting yourself on the throne. That fear of yours is a sign of unbelief. The unbelief is the worst thing that can happen between you and God. The children of Israel had crossed the Red Sea very, very well. And they had started moving into the wilderness. But God wanted to deal with their hearts a little bit. So he takes them through the desert road. Even taking them through the desert road wasn't going to take them a very long time to reach the promised land. But they took 40 years and the reason was unbelief. A day came when they were supposed to visit the promised land and find out what is there. When the guys whom they sent reached there. Oh, and remember, we, quite, we can't say that it was a mistake God sent those ones. He sent them because he knew they had the capacity to see and see him as God and go back and give a better report. Only two came back with a positive report. When you read those things, it feels like as if God was unfair in killing these guys. But if a guy, they were tall, these ones were short. They were small and the guys were masicula. And so they came and told the whole, as in they spread their bad news around. And you know how new bad news runs very fast. Everyone was like, eh, you man, you brought us to the desert so that we die from here where there are no graves to bury us. So that we are buried properly. Can you imagine? That is what they wanted. And God swore and said that these ones will not enter my rest. That is how bad unbelief is. 
That is how bad it is. There is a man who came before Jesus and he actually came before the disciples of Jesus first and they tried to cast out the demon. I think they kept exchanging Peter soko kwatemu, kundi soko kwatemu and the thing was not going away. Have you ever been at a crusade and you're casting out a thing and it is not going away and then you reach a point and stretch a bit and come back until when you slap, slap a bit the person. And eh, it also goes. That's what had happened. Something of that kind. And the man narrates everything to Jesus. And Jesus tells him, all you have to do is believe. And the guy wasn't believing and he was like, God help my unbelief. It is the same thing with us. You just go to him because this is something we can't take away. But there is something that infuses in us and it just removes it. And the next thing we know, we trust him more than we have been trusting him before. So we have to stay out in that place. We have to stay out in that place and go for the promises that he has given us. There are many promises that he has declared over our lives. There are so many. And even Jesus, our example, was a master of these ones. The Bible says that in the nights he would go out and cry, make very vehement cries, making a lot of noise for people, but praying to the one who would help him. For Jesus had humbled himself. When he came onto this earth, by the way, he removed himself from that throne. And his father sat on the throne. He removed himself and he became that humble, totally depending on his father for everything that he needed. That is the same attitude that Paul takes, uh, tells us to take. And we are supposed to yield to that level for, to him. So he removed himself from the throne and kept crying out. Remember him bringing out the promise that time when he was praying for the bread. He just lifted up the basket and he called on a promise and he's like, God, I always thank you because you always hear me when I pray. Isn't that what he told his people in the Old Testament? That each and every time you call, I will answer. He was just reciting the promises. He was calling on the same things that he had been given. And when we call on the things, that when we go to him concerning the things that he has told us, he will come and act. We remind him. We cause the remembrance. We create an environment where he remembers and he comes and acts and he acts on our behalf. So child of God, it is our responsibility. So we go to him that we may move, that he may help us get off that place, that he may help the unbelief in our lives. And then we go to him concerning the promises that he has given us. I know you might be going through a situation, but I want to assure you there is a promise assigned it a promise that you're supposed to call on and he will act on your behalf it, it doesn't matter how long it takes you keep going to him you keep going to him the bible tells us that he calls abraham he calls him and he identifies himself to him and abraham gets to realize that this is the real god and abraham leaves his family and he goes to the land that this god was going to show him and when he reaches that side, he's aging and he has no child. And so he goes to, and God promises him that I will bless you. I will make your seed. I will make your descendants as the sand of the sea. Those were many descendants for a man who had not even one child. And yet he, has, he had grown very old. But the Bible tells us that Abraham did not stagger at that promise. He waited upon God. And you realize that he kept, he kept reminding him. He was always on the lookout. Whenever angels passed by that area, he would look for where they are and he gives them some food and he's like, uh -huh. you said, now tell me where is it? And then God would, uh, would have to, you would realize that the angels would be like, they would promise again until the day came when Sarah gave birth. She was 90 years old when she gave birth. That is not an easy thing. But she gave birth nevertheless. And she gave birth to a boy who, who later on multiplied into what we are right now. And you realize that even a moment came and God told him that now go and sacrifice that boy for me. That was a difficult one. That is a place where you can easily tell God, me and you. Eh? Find another person, you've become difficult. Eh? Why do you want to take back what you have given me? But he held back to the same promise. 
He just fell back on the same. In there, there was always a good conscience. He was like, maybe he will resurrect him. Maybe he will give me another. He just held on to the same promise. And when God came back, he realized he had given him the first promise. And he told him that I will bless you and I will multiply you. Now he comes back and confirms this thing. He multiplies it again. This time he adds the word surely and he's like, surely blessing, I will bless you. Surely multiplying, I will multiply you because you have done this particular thing. And what, this, what was the particular thing? He held on, he trusted the particular thing. He did not sit on the throne of his heart. He moved away from it and left God there. And he's trusted on this God. That you have to go to him believing that he is God. You have to believe that he is God. You're not the God of your life. In these things, you just have to understand that you are a slave of something and you better become a slave of the better one. Because if you're not the, a slave of God, you will definitely be a slave of the devil. You just have to accept that and allow him work you and work you and work you and work you until when he sits on it forever. And as you call onto his promises, as you wait on him and keep calling and keep calling and keep calling until when they happen. Abraham had his child go on. The child gave birth and everything expanded. We see David fighting Goliath. Promises also. He goes as in he reaches there and he sees everyone. Every child of God. The army of the Lord. That's what he called them. Scared of this man. And he's like, who is that guy? Who is shouting around? And then they give him the story. They had even refused to give him the story because they didn't know what was in him. So they give him the story. He tries to tell them everyone is chasing him away. But somehow the news reached Saul. King Saul. That there is a young man who is willing to go and fight this man. And the kid shows up and is like, eh, I think he was a little bit disappointed. But nevertheless, he was like, let me give in someone to go and fight. And uh, if you're to listen to the CV that uh, David got soul, he gave soul. He was like, eh, for me, I am not a joke. Eh? I am a child of God. Each and every time a lion comes to attack my, my sheep, I go after it. I catch it. I get it by the beard and put it down. But how did he do that? I do not know. But the Bible tells us that he did it. A bear, he would do the same thing, beat it up until when it goes away from his sheep. And so he was like, the same God who delivered me from those is the same one who is going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. And so he goes after him and the Philistine is all ranting. You know the way the devil speaks? He shows you. He starts showing you how you're weak. He starts showing you how you manage, how you cannot manage. And that's what the Philistine was looking at. Of course, let me tell you the truth, by the way. When a confident person, however small they are, they come after you. However big you are, you have to act fast. Otherwise, a confident person will put you down. Now, this one was, this confidence was not even in, in anything, anything else. It was in God, as in the most high God. That's the kind of confidence and boldness he was coming in to face this guy. So this man is looking at him. Probably he's intimidated. Probably, probably he's looking down on him because the devil knows us. And by the way, he's so afraid of us. But he will always put up a fight and show you that, man, you cannot handle it. You can't finish. Those promises are bully. Eh? There is nothing that they can do. And so the boy goes after him. Remember, this kid is 16 years old. About 14. He was actually 14. A senior two boy going after a soldier, well-trained general, eh? well-trained in the army, big. So he shows up. The man's spear was, I think, more than my height. So heavy. And then the guy looks at him and he starts speaking those intimidating words. The way the devil speaks. Bringing them, bringing them, bringing them. That's the way our situations usually speak. But this boy remembered his God. And remembered the promises of his God. And the stone caught the man. I have a feeling God was up there. I remember God, Yaliya Muazeda. God had already started celebrating this young man. He, was, he told Saul Samuel, I have found a young man whose heart is after me. Hey, he had found him. So God had already started celebrating his guy. Probably he was, you know, God is never an absent-minded, but let's just imagine he was absent-minded doing other business. And the angels are like, ah, 
Your man is going for the big guy today. And he came and he was like, hey! He became so excited. He sent every kind of angel. Angels held the stone and brought it until the man's forehead. Because there was a possibility, eh? There was a possibility of that stone going in another direction. So just imagine it had gone in another direction. But even if it had gone in another direction, there was a way in which he was going to defeat that guy. And so the stone goes, it finishes off the man, and the Philistines are done. It is as simple as that. God can do anything. In his promises, he can release anything. As long as you go after him, as long as you go after them and claim them and start working with them, they will produce the results that they are supposed to produce. We have heard of them. They come from the same place our salvation comes from. As sure as our salvation is, it's the same assurance that his promises have in our lives. They work at the same level. They cause the same results. They have the same power working in them. The same power of God that resurrected Christ out of the grave. It's the same one that is at work when we claim those promises. So you have to go for them. So what is your issue? What is your difficulty, child of God? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes you're going to go after stuff and it will feel like as if it is not working. But he said, ask and you will receive. Seek. You know, seeking has more work to do. You just continue going. Because these things are true. They are final. They are established. His promises are yes and amen. In the spiritual realm, they are already done, well packaged. It is you now supposed to just open the package and the thing starts working in your life. So we have to step into that place. I speak like this because as born agains, we have prayed, my friend. As born agains, we have said and done a lot of stuff in ignorance. And the problem with ignorance, it will produce the results of ignorance. That's the problem with ignorance. It won't give you anything. It won't be fair to you. Unless God has mercy upon you. And we thank God, by the way, that we have a shepherd in this house. That these things are open to him. That now he's opening them to us. And now we have the real deal of the word. That we can confess the real thing. So we have an opportunity, a big opportunity before us, an opportunity that takes us higher, an opportunity that takes us to a greater place. We should not refuse this opportunity. That's why I was telling you at the beginning that you can use the remaining 30 days to turn your lives around. Me, I am going to turn mine around. Me, I'm going to turn the situations in my life. I speak these words as I speak them to myself. We have operated in the old ways. We have operated a lot in ignorance. It is time to embrace the truth of God and work with it in our lives. It is time for us to start walking in it. It is time for us. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what is before you. God hasn't brought it. It is the devil that brings those situations before your life. But God for sure has placed in you everything to overcome it. He has delivered a promise for it. There is a promise that you can go on. That you can place on your altar and start causing a difference. And you authorize heaven to start acting concerning that. There is a promise somewhere. There is a promise about that. The Bible says that through faith, women called back their dead. Eh? They called back their dead. It is written in the scriptures. It is through faith. They called back. Eh? Through faith, diseases just fled. Through faith. I know people have said that money is obtained through working. It is true. But there are some who work and it never shows up. But when we go to him who said that uh, our ground will always, blessed will be our ground. He can bless what you're doing and it produces the exact pro uh, profit that it's supposed to produce. There are some who say that there are some jobs that cannot be obtained in Uganda. I'm telling you the truth. There is a God in the heavens who has promised that you will be favored before everyone. There is a God who has promised that. But it is up to us to choose 
to accept, to agree with this God, to agree with him and walk in the same so that we are lifted to the next level, so that we go to a higher level. We have about four minutes left on the clock there. And I know maybe some of you, it might just be about going so that God can help you remove yourself from the throne of your heart. I just want you to take these few minutes. They are very few. I just want you to take them. and Just ask God to help you over that. Help you overcome that. Maybe for you, you're going through a situation and you have never gone before God that he may help you overcome that thing. That he may answer, authorize that answer from heaven. Execute that promise. A promise that changes your life. Even you online, I am talking to you. I, I'm talking to you because these things are in our lives. They have held us back. There is a lot of expectation from us in this world. There is a lot that God has done. That sometimes he just sits and wonders. But at least it's good that we have come to know the truth. Just take on the truth of God right now. Just use these few moments. Go before him. Go before him. Ask for mercy that he may have mercy on you and help deal with that thing that keeps you seated on your throne. Just ask for mercy. He avails it. The Bible says that his hand is, is not too short to help us to deal with our situation. His hand is not too short. His power is always readily available for us to change our lives, to cause a difference in our lives, to bring us to a place where we are able to overcome. Oh, Radabaselelebosede Bagatayalama my God, I take it that I'm highly favored. I take it that I'm an overcomer. I take it that I'm above and not beneath. I take it that I'm not a, a tail, but I am a head at all times. Oh, God, the inheritance that you have given us is of good health. The inheritance that you have given us is of a good health, O King of glory, Lord. Father, my children will not be children of trouble. My child is not one who causes trouble in the house. He's not one who brings a storm in the house, O King of glory. But good health is her portion. I refuse the doctor's report. I refuse the doctor's report. I only accept the report of the Lord. The report that promises good health. The report that, re that releases a normal childhood. The report that releases a normal life. A life doesn't, that doesn't depend on medication. Child of God, you have a short time left. Just continue asking for those promises. Just continue claiming the things that God has given you. I am highly favored, O Karada Baba Baba I'm blessed in this city. Wherever I go, I am blessed. Wherever I stand, I am blessed. Wherever I stand, I am highly favored. Opportunities follow me. Failure is not part of my portion. My God, you scatter my enemies. My God, now I am rich, O God, because you came, you became poor for me. I have wealth, O Karada. My boundary lines have now fallen in beautiful places. I have a great inheritance. I have a bountiful inheritance. Oh, Rada Basele Meketelebaha. Luck is not my portion. Makayala Mandebo Sedebaha. But I have all things. Oh, Redebo Sele Meketelebaha. I have wisdom. Makaradaba. Redebo Selembra Laha. Mandeleke Sekete. 
highly favored. God, we take a hold of what you have freely given us, Ogan. We take a hold of what you have freely given us, Ogan. We take a hold of our inheritance, Ogan. This day we refuse the lies of the enemy. We refuse every lie of the enemy. We refuse everything that is contrary to your promises, Ogan. And now we partake of the divine nature. We partake of what we have, you have given us. We partake of what you have availed to us, O King of glory, Lord. Master, we thank you and we give you glory. Oh, God, today we choose to agree with you. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. This audio sermon has been brought to you by The City Church. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us on 0706-332-572 or 0776-579-679.